Welcome to the Sticks and Stones and Broken Bones podcast with Rock Valley Physical Therapy. When you're looking for solutions to pain, we are here to help. Whether success for you means lifting a grandchild, getting back to work, or simply walking up the stairs without pain, Rock Valley Physical Therapy is here to help with compassionate, expert clinicians whose goal is to make care as fun and easy as possible. Each episode, we will spend time learning from healthcare providers and patients in hopes of offering solutions to your own aches and pains. Welcome back to the Sticks and Stones and Broken Bones podcast. This is your host, Sam Huey, recording from the Greg Monson podcast studio in Waukee, Iowa. Hope everyone's having a great spring so far. Um, with, with spring coming up here and summer around the corner, we've got spring sports wrapping up. We've got summer sports getting going, at least in the state of Iowa. We've got a couple athletic trainers with us today to talk about kind of their roles throughout the year with, with their various teams that they help out. And with the focus on, you know, how they respond to emergent or chaotic situations and how they kind of stay calm under pressure to make those decisions for their athletes and for those families. Um, so I've got, I've got two guests with me today, so I'd like them to introduce themselves first. So Blake, if you want to say hi to everybody and tell us, tell us about yourself. Yeah. Hi, I'm uh, Blake Anderson, uh, athletic trainer, graduated from Morris College in uh, 2019. Um, been an athletic certified athletic trainer for now. This is my third year going on. Um, I'm out at uh, Rock Ridge High School in uh, Edgington, Illinois. Small, small little school, um, level two A. Uh, been in the athletic training profession mainly because one, I love sports. Um, two, what got me into it? I mean, I, I was in high school, didn't know what to do going into college. They always tell you, oh, you need to kind of figure out what you want to do. Um, Knew I loved sports, wanted to continue staying in that world, played baseball. Um, and I also had an, an interest naturally um, for health science, sports medicine, because my mom's a nurse. My dad loves sports. He's a coach. So it, it kind of clashed there together. So that's kind of what I used to, to get myself interested. And when I committed to play baseball at Loris, they had athletic training. And so you kind of, I kind of, gravitated towards that and here I am today I mean four years of clinicals all that good stuff um getting into what I love to do and it's it's been great ever since yeah a lot of hard work to get there huh yeah a lot a lot of hours a lot of fun yes. a lot of stressful times but it's all worth it yeah so tell us where you're at in the season right now sounds like Illinois is kind of wrapping up for the spring yeah so for me, yeah, we're wrapping up. We have a few track runners on the boys' side that are going state uh, sometime this week, and then softball teams on like a 61-game winning streak. So we're heading into sectionals here soon. Um, won regionals for the seventh straight year, so that's been fun to watch, fun to be a part of. Uh, baseball wrapped up. So basically we're towards the, the last leg of the spring season of the school year and school ending on Friday. Um, probably get a week off or so and then get ready uh get going in the summer for summer camps and getting ready for the next year kind of never ends but there is a little bit of a calm period there that's nice yeah catch your breath a little bit huh yeah absolutely it's it's definitely needed in this line of work um, a lot of crazy days different hours you kind of need that time here and there to reset yourself and kind of calm down yeah, for sure. We'll take advantage of that week off for sure. Week down week, I should say, not week off. But uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 
And then our, our second guest today is Payne Finn. Payne, welcome to the show. Hey, how's everybody doing? Good. Good, good, good. Uh, yeah, so you already said my name's Payne Finn. Um, I also am a Loris College grad. Um, I graduated in 2014, though, so I was there before Blake. Um, kind of the same scenario, really. I was an athlete my whole life, and I really liked anatomy, physiology, sort of studying the human body. So went to Loris, ran track while I was there, uh, did my bachelor's in athletic training, and then actually moved back to the Quad Cities, worked for three years, and then I went to University of Wisconsin, did my master's in kinesiology at the University of Wisconsin, finished that in 2019. Then we had a pandemic. <laughs> I heard about that, yeah. Uh, yeah, didn't, didn't really know what was happening. Um, but then I ended up taking a job at Rock Valley at like the beginning of 2021. So I've been certified since 2014. Um, and then I had that brief period where I was working on my master's that I wasn't practicing per se, and then got back in in 2021. So I've been at Rock Valley and I'm out at Bettendorf High School, um, which is that we actually kind of have a little bit different setup. So Blake is actually the only athletic trainer out where he's at. But at Bettendorf, we have myself, Jessica Rumery, who's also an athletic trainer at Rock Valley. And then we have Eric Knudsen, who's a teacher at Bettendorf, who's been an athletic trainer for like 20 plus years or something. So we have a little bit of a different setup out there. But um, yeah, that's pretty much where I'm at and what I do. Got some great people to collaborate with, it sounds like. And pains on the Iowa side of the river so we've got uh, baseball's just like getting started in Iowa which is so weird but uh... yeah. so Blake is wrapping up uh, we are just getting started so we're actually state tracks over with so that's done um, tonight I have a boys sub-state game um, and then tomorrow night the girls have a regional final I believe and if they win, if the boys win tonight and the girls win tomorrow, they'll both go to state soccer, which is next week, I believe. And that one, that'll be kind of crazy because this year, for whatever reason, they're doing like girls are the first day, then it's boys and it's girls, then it's boys. And then like Saturday, they have the final for boys and girls for the championship. So it's kind of keep you on your toes. Yeah. So we're finishing up soccer and then baseball softball is just getting started so nice yeah we'll have double headers you know all the time <laughs> hang in there it'll be a long summer but it'll be fun um yeah. <clears throat> so kind of the the theme of what we're going to talk about like i said is you know handling chaos and you know especially in an emergent situation but um blake and i were talking a little bit before the podcast and you know, we've got chaos in the acute scenario, right? Like somebody's injured on the football field, right? Um, and then Blake said something that made me think of chaos in like more the long term, you know, over the course of a few months. Blake, you were talking about how after, well, I shouldn't say after the pandemic, because I don't know that it's officially over, but uh, right. af after the bulk of the pandemic, right? Tell us a little bit about kind of what your, uh, what your sports season in Illinois looked like there. Yeah, so uh, I would say about around February, 2021 Illinois sports decided that they're finally going to come back and try to 
get some sports seasons in for the kids, for the seniors and whatnot. So um, I came into a new school, uh, state of Illinois, wanted to try to fit as many sports seasons as they could in at once. So it made for a very chaotic five to six months. I would say we started with basketball, um, wrestling, volleyball, kind of all indoor stuff. And at the same time, a month later, after all three of those were going on, they threw in football practices. And then about a month later from that, they threw in baseball and softball. So it made for a very difficult situation where I would have to kind of monitor three different venue sites outside, two different gyms, um, and kind of keep tabs on athletes that way while also rehabbing, doing prevention stuff, taping. And so it kind of just... It was, a, it was a difficult situation, very chaotic. You had to have a great communication line with your coaches, the administrators. I mean, when there's three events going on at home, you got to, one, prioritize which one you think might have the most injuries. So let's, let's say wrestling's going on. You're probably going to be in the wrestling room because they get put, they're susceptible to more injuries just with what they do to score points and whatnot. So you have to be in there. Um, and then let's say there's something going on outside something happens you kind of have to worry if whoever's out there has to let you know as soon as you can to get outside um and if it's an emergency situation you got to know what you need to bring out you need to bring the splint bag um so it was always kind of in the back of my head what's going to go on today am i going to have to run here um is everybody going to be okay here is it going to am i going to get in trouble if i'm not there um but it was always it's always good with communication my athletic director was very good about it the coaches were always good at communicating. Hey, can you come outside? Somebody's got this going on. Um, they always kind of gave me a heads up of what type of injury was going on. So that helped me figure out what I need to take outside, kind of how I need to handle things, kind of how I need to approach it. Do I need to run? Do I need to just walk out there casually, jog, whatever it may be, um, in order to not freak people out? I mean, if you're running out there, sprinting out there, obviously it's a, an extreme situation. Um, doesn't happen often, which is a good thing. So a lot of the time you kind of just want to, I wanted to kind of stroll out there, take everything in, kind of be calm. That's kind of how I approached that whole situation in those six months. And once the middle of June came, I finally could take a breath and I, uh, I definitely took a week off to uh, reset myself and it was, it was a lot. And then a month later, football begins again. So, <laughs> I mean, the state of Illinois, it was crazy in the, the past year and a half and, I think we're finally starting to catch up and get back in the normal cycle of things. It's been nice. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, good to be back to some, some normalcy there, but uh, so yeah, that's more like the chronic, chronically chaotic situation. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So hopefully it never happens again. Yeah. Hopefully not. Um, so I admire athletic trainers a lot in their ability to stay calm in those situations. I've been on sidelines a few times with athletic trainers and like, I just freeze up. That's not how I was trained, you know? So I'd, I'd be curious to learn. Why don't we start with pain on this one? Since you both went to the same school and had some of the same training anyway, um, like what kind of things that did you do or learn in school that maybe helped you not freeze up like I do and like how to stay calm in those situations? Yeah, so the biggest thing I would say is that or one of the greatest benefits of Loris is that it's a small school. So like when you get into the athletic training program, you know, whatever you're learning in like emergency care class or lower extremity eval class, upper extremity eval, whatever, when you go to your clinic rotation at the end of your day, so whether it be football practice or 
swimming or track or whatever your preceptors are they know exactly what you're doing like they'll ask you what, what are you doing in class today or what'd you learn in class today and then they'll immediately like put you into the fire if you will on that so like having that sort of from textbook to practical application is like a crucial thing that I think benefits Loris a lot because at since it's such a small school you get all that hands-on experience and then there are also just things that so this is before Blake's time but I had a preceptor that um like we'd be out at football practice and we never knew when it was coming we never knew when it was going to happen but he would just randomly fall out in practice and then whoever was closest to him had to call on the walkie system for all of us to get over to him to attend to the situation. And he might, and all of it was fake, but we never knew when it was coming. And he might be faking like he's having a seizure. He might act as if he's not breathing, his heart stopped, whatever, or, you know, and we would have to spine board. We'd have to, you know, treat everything as if it was a real emergency situation. And if we didn't take it serious, he'd get mad. And he would like, let us know that he was not happy with the way that we handled things. But sort of that type of trying to create real scenarios, even though they're fake and we know they're fake, but trying to create them to be as real as possible so that we're always ready to act like the drop of a hat, right? Like we just have to be ready to engage. And I think too, that that also helps you sort of gain the experience of what it's like to be calm under pressure, right? When you've been in that scenario so many times, it's almost sort of like, you go into autopilot, right? Like your, your brain's like, Oh, okay. Like person's not breathing. Person doesn't have a pulse. Okay. I need to start compressions. I need to do two rescue breath. Like, you know, CPR kicks in and you just like know what to do. And you're not even thinking at that point, you're just reacting. Right. And so I think that's probably one of the biggest things for athletic training or for us, like in our education and the way that we're, our education system is structured is that, you have to be able to take what you learn in the textbook or what you learn in the classroom and practically apply it. And that's probably the biggest thing. And that's probably what helped me the most get ready for whatever situation was in front of me. So you obviously had a really good actor for a preceptor. <clears throat> yeah. He, uh, yeah, he does. And I mean, he would not make it easy either. I mean, he would, yeah. he would go into, you know, ridiculous positions where he'd be like prone head turned to the side or, you know, like, it's just ridiculous stuff so to where we'd really have to like figure out how to how are we going to get cervical stabilization and when we roll you know how am I going to have to position my hands to not lose that stabilization right and yeah I mean he he was all for it which it was crazy and chaotic at the time but you know looking back on it now it's like I'm really glad that I had that opportunity yeah, it sounds like almost adjacent to, you know, visualization, like the more times you've experienced it, whether in your head or with a, a practice dummy, if you will, right, or a practice person. Yeah, it becomes reflexive almost by the time it actually happens. Mm -hmm. Very cool. <clears throat> Blake, do you have anything to add to that one? Or should we move on? Uh, yeah, I mean, I would agree. I don't, I didn't have that preceptor do that for me but I will say having those preceptors with you at every practice game if something emergency wise would happen you kind of were able to see how they reacted you learn firsthand 
of how others kind of treated it. And then you pick up on tendencies, how you should be reacting, um, how you should be handling each situation. I mean, and you jump around on, to different sports, we would get like football every semester, we would change our rotation or every four weeks or whatever it was. And so you'd see all different aspects, all different types of injuries, different surfaces, how you kind of have to handle injuries on the turf, injuries on the hardwood, injuries in the pool setting. And so you kind of just see how those professionals that you're kind of learning from deal with those situations was critical to kind of instill in us how to kind of handle that situation. And now once we graduate past the test, everything you kind of, everything's already ingrained in you of how you should handle a situation. So when that first situation happens on your first big injury, you kind of know what to do and you kind of know how to handle it. Obviously it's nerve wracking, but you kind of, you're, you learned everything from the classes one and you put it into use and then you kind of see what they did and you kind of use that. And then obviously you do it your own way, but you're doing it the right way. Yes. You've been there before, right? Even if you haven't. Right. <clears throat> All right. So we'll use the football field as a scenario, but athlete goes down out there, pains on the sideline <clears throat> and uh, runs out to, assess the situation kind of tell me what are the first things you might look at um blake said something interesting earlier about body language you know whether you're running sprinting jogging walking like even that conveys a message to the athlete as well as the crowd right so tell us a little bit about that initial assessment and body language and stuff right uh i mean obviously we want to get out there as quickly as possible so if i i mean i'm watching the game i see someone go down the first thing I try to notice is, are they moving or not? Because if they're not moving, then then I'm sprinting out there like it's a 100-meter dash, you know, because I'm immediately assuming that there's probably either they're unconscious, cervical neck injury, something like that. Um, but if they're, if they're moving, so like say someone goes down, it's like a cramp, they're kind of like grabbing their ankle, I might slowly jog out there. And then once I get out there, you know, I'm sort of looking at it are there any deformities what's the athlete's reaction are they in excruciating pain are they just kind of discomfort what's going on and then i'll sort of get down on their level and then i'll just kind of ask some general questions like you know breathe relax tell me what happened try to get sort of a quick little medical history on the what exactly happened and most of the time we see what happens but sometimes we don't um so I kind of go there and then while I'm doing that, I'm sort of also palpating and feeling around trying to find, you know, if it's an ankle sprain or something, I might palpate like the ATF to see like, okay, is it, is this what we're looking at? Is it more posterior? Is it lateral? Is it medial? What's going on? Do they have, you know, are they tended to palpate on bones? Um, like things like that. Um, and then based on sort of what all happens there, um, then it sort of come, like becomes a discussion of, okay, like, can you, let's get up slowly. Let's get you off the field. And then once we get them off the field on the sideline, then we can do like a more thorough exam. But when I go out there, it's mostly just, I sort of assess the situation of like, is this extremely emergent or is it sort of, you know, a cramp or maybe like an ankle sprain or something like that. And then I sort of just combined everything into one fluid process, I guess, of like trying to get the medical history also palpating and feeling because in some, some cases, I mean, you don't have like 
football is a good one because you can actually like take your time if you will but like wrestling you have like a clock that you're working with because you have blood time and injury time and all these things so football is a bit easier where you can kind of sort of like take more time out on the field but sometimes you do got to act like quick and sort of make a game day decision <laughs> right then and there yeah um, that's sort of what i do is i kind of that's kind of how i approach it Blake, is that pretty similar to your approach, or do you have any little nuances that are different there? Yeah, I would say, especially with football, it's very important to pay attention to the game, obviously, um, seeing how the injury happened and whatnot. And then going from there, I kind of watched um, the reaction of the officials, the coaches. Um, if the official gets to the player first and then they are frantically waving their hands for you to come out, then I know it's more of a a serious situation but if it's one of those where they just slowly blow the whistle tell us to come on then that's one of those where I'll, i mean you get out there you jog a little bit fast walk um but my biggest thing is especially to the athlete giving the impression that it's not um something to freak out about i mean if you sprint out there and it's just a cramp or something like that the athlete's going to think it's worse than it is um or an ankle sprain or a shoulder sting or something like that i mean going out there asking questions 100 miles an hour, going as fast as you can. Everything kind of needs to be processed a little bit slow. Obviously, you're trying to get them off the field and you want to resume play, but I think it's important not to rush the athlete. Don't be throwing a bunch of questions at them, getting them to freak out. Um, and it's it's one of those things where I just – I like to remain calm, but obviously if they're still and you notice there's certain signs you see um, where you might go out there a little bit faster and kind of see um, what's going on, but – my biggest thing is keeping staying calm and really just focus on how everything kind of happened. Yeah. And it sounds like between your schooling and your experience, that's kind of where that comes from and your, your calm, you know, relays to them, right. And your panic would relate to them as well. So I think that's a, to keep that poker face is probably a skill you've had to, to practice. I'm guessing. Um, right. So let's say we get out there, we'll start with Blake on this one, and it is more of an emergent situation. So kind of what's the action plan there? And then what's the next step as far as collaborating with, you know, maybe the EMTs at the game or whatever the, you know, whoever's around to help? Yeah, so I will say for my situation, it's a little bit different than probably what pain deals with um, and a lot of bigger schools deal with. I mean, sometimes I'll be at an away game and, the other team is an athletic trainer or um, EMTs are the only people there. Um, and at home I have, um, we have a team doctor for football. So that I means he goes out with me, but I'd say it's an emergency situation. We suspect head or neck injury. Um, obviously we're getting out there as quick as we can. I'm probably, I'm, we assess the scene, make sure everybody's kind of in a safe space. Um, make sure nothing else can cause further injury. Um, and then what I'll do is I'll be the one that is kind of in charge of everything. I get at the, the head of the athlete, kind of get my hands in the right place um, to take care of the athlete. And then from there, usually, especially at a smaller school, obviously I'll have the doctor. So he'll be doing a lot of the main things that I ask of um, where to put their hands, how to situate the athlete, how to get them in the correct position to prevent further injury. Um, then I'll pretty much instruct the coaches to, to get my splint bag. They know where that's at. Um, it's very important to have a good line of communication and have this emergency action plan given to the coaches, given to the athletic director, the administrators, so they know 
what their role is. Um, so having the coaches grab the splint kit, having other coaches there around to help if they need to roll the athlete over um, safely and onto the splint, the vacuum splint, and then uh, kind of going from there, giving them their responsibilities, who calls 911, um, if there's no ambulance there for some reason, if it's an away game or something, or there's volunteer ambulance and they can't be there that night or they don't have volunteers. So having somebody call 911, um, if you suspect anything heart related, who's grabbing the AED, um, just it, basically it's, it's important to have everybody get their role, um, do it kind of quickly. And then at the same time, you're worried about equipment removal. And that's where my position and the doctor would come in. We kind of instruct how to do it or we do it ourselves while the other person takes over for what we're doing. So basically it's, it's a lot of role. Um, it's a role, it's role oriented and kind of have to know what you're doing beforehand. And then in that time, you have to kind of work quickly, but at the same time, again, remaining calm, telling you have to be the assertive one in that situation, telling them what to do, um, how to handle the situation, how to treat the athlete and kind of just, you have to be the one who knows what you're doing. You have to be the one that gets the situation under control and get everybody in a safe situation, especially the athlete. So in that situation, you're, you're the lead of that team kind of organizing all the other pieces essentially. Yeah. yeah. Number one, unless the doctor thinks he can, unless the doctor wants to take it the head and then he's the one telling everything. And I, it, that's a situation where as an athletic trainer, I kind of know how to remove all the equipment. If the doctor doesn't know that, then I'll have him take over at the head and I'll be the one doing all the tough kind of uh, equipment situation or injury situation, just because I know the athlete for one, I know the equipment, I know how to remove as fast as possible in the safe manner. Um, and that's not a situation where the doc might not get trained in that. Um, all the time, obviously, um, that's more towards the F, athletic training side of the job. So that's where I would say that's the only situation where we're not the ones at the head kind of telling everybody what to do. Yeah. Pain in a bigger school, is that a very similar setup or does each school have kind of their own individual plans for those things? Um, so it's, it's kind of similar. Um, the biggest difference I think for the bigger schools is that we'll usually have like, we usually have EMS on site at the game so like let's say we had a kid go down with a head or neck injury and usually for us since we have three athletic trainers there's two of us um at a game and then we have dr breeze and dr cry who are our two physicians so there's you know at any given moment there's four healthcare professionals like ready to act um but if we had a kid go down and we had to do some cervical stabilization or whatever like blake said whoever's at the head doing the stabilization they're the lead so they're going to tell like you know if it's me blake and you some other people i might be like okay sam go get ems so that's your job you got to go usually we throw up an x like this to the ems that signals for them to come out so that'd be your job i'd say go throw up the x to ems so you'd go do that i'd tell blake to go get an aed or my splint kit or whatever we'd need he'd go get that while I'm holding stabilization and whoever else is around there to help. I'm sort of telling them what I need them to do. Oh, I need you to grab here. I need you to grab here, do this or that or whatever. Whoever's at the head is like always in charge. But for us at the bigger school, like I said, we have EMS on staff. So like 
usually if we have a kid go down, we'll get out there and do our stabilization and everything. And then once we call EMS out, they might take over at the stabilization. And then at that point, it's just a matter of all of us working together to get the athlete on the spine board, help get them on the stretcher. And then they get into the ambulance and go on to what they need to do. I actually had to do that one time before I was at Rock Valley, when I was at Genesis, when I was at United Township, we had a kid who's a sophomore, um, first like varsity game, starting at quarterback. And he was running on the outside, took a pretty big hit from the linebacker. And I mean, it happened right in front of me. So I saw everything. And I mean, it wasn't helmet to helmet, but I mean, it was kind of a high hit. And so he hit the ground and wasn't really moving that much. And and he could tell he was pretty dazed. And then like we checked his grip strength and it was pretty weak. And so from a precautionary standpoint, um, cause he was eventually, he was like talking to us and whatever, but given that his grip strength is weak, we figured, okay, like this may be a cervical injury possibly. So we should treat it as such. So did the stabilization called out EMS threw up the X, they came out, they took over stabilization and we got him spine board and out of there. And I mean, the, the process probably took, you know, like five minutes, maybe, which I mean, in, in the moment, it can feel like it takes 30 minutes, you know, but it, I mean, it was a quick process and he went off to the hospital and they took some scans and stuff. Turns out he was okay and everything was fine. But given what was presented to me on the field, I acted as such and said, you know, we, we, we need to initiate this. But I would say that's probably the only difference at bigger schools is that you usually have EMS or you might have like team doctors at every game and you might have like, you might have more resources at your disposal than at small schools. But the overarching theme of a emergency action plan or like what you're supposed to do in those situations pretty remains pretty constant regardless of where you're at. Well, I think you guys have given a really nice overview of you know, the role of the athletic trainer in that kind of emergent chaotic situation. Um, again, I really admire your ability to stay calm and almost kind of almost like slow down time in your mind a little bit, kind of like you hear good athletes talk about, right? Like they see the game slow down for them. I mean, that's what it sounds, that what, that's what I think of when you're talking about that pain. Um, and just to be that assertive and take the lead and say, all right, you need to do this. You need to do this. Right. Um, using the resources you have around you, whether you're at a small school like Blake or at a big school like Payne, you know, so I really appreciate all the work you guys do for these kids and their families and, and the communities in general. Right. So um, unless you guys have anything else to add, I think we hit all our, our talking points. Um, uh, with- um- I think maybe the only other thing I would add is that like, so we, we sort of talked about, you know, sort of common things you might see, right. Like relating to like injuries and stuff, Mm -hmm. but our emergency care education actually goes like beyond that even. So like we, when we do emergency, uh, emergency care class and all those things, we have to learn a whole bunch of other stuff like, how to understand like hypovolemic shock. So like, say you're at a football game or a wrestling meet or whatever, and an athlete takes a hit and they might've ruptured an organ or they have internal bleeding or like something along those lines, like being able to understand like what those symptoms look like. So like looking for distension where the hit occurred in the abdomen, right? Like that might indicate there's internal bleeding or 
and organs affected or something. Um, so all of those types of things. And we actually, this year at Bettendorf, we actually had, it was an away kid. It wasn't even a Bettendorf athlete. Thankfully, Dr. Cry, who's a non-operative uh, sports medicine doc for us, um, she evaluated this kid at halftime and ended up sending him to the hospital. And good thing she did because he had a ruptured spleen um, and actually had to have surgery that night. Um, but like, that's a whole nother aspect of like our emergency care that maybe not everyone is aware that we go through. So like, we have to know all of that stuff too, because, you know, yeah, we deal with torn ACLs and broken bones and sort of your classical old sports injuries. Right. But we do have to know a whole host of other things because it can happen and we just got to be ready to well, when we do. And kind of backing off that point, um, situations like that, I mean, they're not that common with, athletes all the time but you have to kind of be responsible for that that venue site so like if a coach goes down if a fan gets injured if just a a, a random pedestrian could get hurt or doing something uh, so you kind of have to assess that scene or let's say i know i had a situation a few years back while working with rock valley where i had a fan go down outside the game under cardiac arrest and so the ad has comes and tells me that i have to be the one that grabs the ad set everything up. I have to know the, the venue, where to go, where to call the ambulance, where to tell them to be. Um, and we have to be the ones to kind of take care of that situation. Obviously, if there's fans that are doctors, EMTs, we, we always have, we always encourage that uh, help from them. But you always kind of worry at the venue site too. And we're taught to kind of be responsible for anything that might happen to the fans, whether it's illness-wise, heat illness. Um, I mean, I've had fans having ambulance get called on them because they're they have heat illness or they're confused or signs of stroke and stuff like that so we have to be prepared for situations like that as well and i don't think that gets harped on enough when um you think about an athletic training you think about oh they're just there for the athletes and that's mainly what we are there for but we're also there and have responsibility for people at that venue but the ones that are going to be there first um uh, and we're the ones that like to take help and take action as fast as we can um we may not be the ones that t take care of them the most after that, but we're kind of the, the first responder when the first responders can't get there quick enough. Yeah. Thank you guys both for pointing that out. Cause I think most of us think musculoskeletal orthopedic type injuries when we think of athletic training, but yeah, there's a whole host of other things that goes in that. And yeah, I mean, the, the grandma that trips going up the stairs to um, at the basketball game, right? Like there's all kinds of stuff you guys probably run into that most of us don't think about. So yeah. Yeah, just quick thinking on your toes and going with the flow, it sounds like. Yeah, it's, uh, never, it's never a boring day. That's <laughs> yeah, you'd be, you'd be shocked at how many uh, fans I've had fall down a set of stairs or fall outside. And I have to treat their wounds or whatever it may be. And I know one of the other athletic trainers I worked with uh, at Moline, that Wharton Fieldhouse is so big, and some of their steps up on the upper deck are kind of, gapped a little bit um they fixed that for now but i mean they've had fans that have had issues and broke a leg or something like that it, you worry about stuff like that um i've had you think it's you're just there for the night worrying about the athlete and then all of a sudden you hear people screaming for you because a fan fell down the stairs or they felt tripped over something and it just you never know when a freak accident's going to happen and you just kind of have to be prepared you might think it's going to be a boring night but in the back of your head you have to be ready yeah, no, I, same thing, Blake, I've, 
when I was at UT basketball game one time, uh, one of our girls' grandfathers like had a seizure in the in the stands, so had to go attend to that. Um, another time at UT, we were at playing Almond, so we were at Augie, and Augie's stands kind of they're like concrete steps and they're kind of like big um and this guy like fell dead, like face first and had a like gash and all sorts of stuff had to deal with that in the middle of a game and yeah I mean, you just you, never know yeah you just never know when uh someone's going to be calling for you whether it's on the field or off the field and you just gotta be ready to <laughs> utilize your skills and go to work yeah, so you guys serve the not only the school and the athletes, but the community as well. So that's that's great. I really really appreciate you guys' time today and sharing some really cool stories there too. I like that. Yeah, <laughs> we don't, we thanks don't for get, having us, Sam. Having us, yeah, man. we don't get that much excitement in the PT clinic, so it's fun for me to hear this stuff. So. <laughs> um, yeah, thanks to everybody that listened today too. Remember to check out our website at rockvalleypt.com as well as our Facebook for more information about Rock Valley and our athletic training services. Rock Valley has over 60 clinics serving Iowa, Illinois, and Nebraska. Our employees live out the tagline every day with the goal of making better lives. Mm-hmm.